per omnia saecula saeculorum. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. As a young boy, it was always difficult for me to remember the difference between perennial and annual. When we moved into our home in Annandale on Tobin Road, just behind Epiphany of Our Lord Byzantine Church, there was not a blade of grass. There was a home and dirt. Everything that was planted was put down by mom and dad and their minions. Kentucky 31 fescue, dogwoods, azaleas, apple trees, Japanese maples, blue spruces, even ugly sorrel trees, you name it. Everything went down on purpose, and it was an annual ritual. Going to the, to the garden center and buying plants, and it was in the course of those visits that I was able to figure out which were the, one, which were the plants that died and which were the plants that lived. And it, it's easy enough to remember, even though annual sounds like the plant's going to do something every year, in fact, it doesn't. It's actually a, it's really a misplaced modifier, if you will, because what's annual isn't the plant. What's annual is the planter deciding to put it in the ground. A plant can be perennial, right, through the ages, but it, the only thing that happens annually to an annual plant is that someone has to decide to plant it. Just that phrase, for the ages of the ages, per omnia secula seculorum, we automatically say amen. You might have even noticed last Sunday, I made the mistake of omitting it right before Pax Domini sit semper vobiscum. The, the, the expression for us is that it's not just the completion of the prayer, but it's, it, it's also the awareness that what God is doing is doing forever. It's not just happening once. When they saw our Lord feed the multitudes and they followed him across Lake Genezareth, they wanted to see him do it again, right? Do it again. Do it another time. Do another miracle. Do something else amazing. But our Lord obviously was not there simply to grab their attention, obviously not to entertain them. Our Lord wasn't there to change things that people could see. Our Lord had become incarnate to change us internally. When we think of God working through us and his action lasting forever, Hopefully we think first of our baptism, changing us indelibly. We can never become unbaptized, no matter what the government of Germany thinks. The next time we think of God doing something forever, it gives us pause. It's usually in the course of discerning priesthood or religious life or marriage. And so frequently we are scared of that being permanent. As acknowledged 
last Sunday, it's easy to encourage a young, engaged couple to marry irrevocably and to recognize that they aren't really getting married unless they're making their vows irrevocably. There's still something frightening for most people about the idea of this is a commitment for every day for the rest of my life. Whether it be discerning religious life or discerning priesthood, the average person pauses when they, when they think about that. It makes us afraid. In part because we might think we're making the wrong decision or if I make the wrong decision, then I'm stuck. But even if that's not a concern, just the notion that this, there will be expectations of me every day for the rest of my life. It sounds so strange and foreign. Until we recognize all the other things that we do every day for the rest of our lives, we wake up, we brush our teeth, we wash, we eat, we clean our dishes after we eat, we put on clean enough clothes, we do something, we don't go back to bed. We eat again, clean our dishes again. We made our bed after we brushed our teeth or before we brushed our teeth. We go back to bed. Even in the course of the day, we're honest. We interact with people. We love people. We put up with difficult people. We pray for the people who have to put up with us. Life isn't exactly Groundhog Day, and it's certainly not a rat running in a wheel. But if we consider what happens in the course of a typical day, a lot of what we do are things that we will do every day for the rest of our lives. There are things that we do naturally because we simply desire them. They're good for us. There are things that don't come automatically, but we've, we've learned them. We've learned the habit. Even before a cup of coffee, right? We're brushing our teeth. We're not even really thinking completely clearly, but, you know, you grab the toothbrush and the water goes on and the brush goes under the water and the toothpaste cap comes open and it squeeze the toothpaste on and you turn the water off. Remember to turn the water off. And you're brushing and, and maybe some brain synapses are firing, but not many. It doesn't happen automatically. It happens only because you will it to happen. But it's become something that you've learned such that it doesn't take great effort for your will to accomplish the feat. And things that are even more important. How many times are you complimented for something, whether it be uh, playing something on the piano or the violin, and you think it really wasn't that hard. I wasn't thinking note by note. The music's just in my fingers because I've, you know, I've learned it. Or an act of kindness, opening the door for someone, or, or saying thank you, or anything else. Anything that, most things that gain for us a compliment, we probably would have to admit it 
didn't take that much effort. And we think that we're somehow less worthy of the, the praise. But we can't think like a bad German philosopher that if it's not difficult, it didn't count. Remember, when we learn the habit, when we learn the habitus, when we, our soul acquires the disposition of doing something, and then virtue is developed, that good thing then is easier. When we apply that back to following our Lord every day for the rest of our lives, living out our vocation every day for the rest of our lives, it can easily overwhelm some people who, who, who envision it as an unending sequence of difficult decisions, of, of, of hard tasks, of, of temptations to avoid, of crises to avert, and it, it really can plague them. It can paralyze them. And your message to them, not just by what you see and how you encourage them, but how you live your life, is that when, when, we, when we practice the works of, of, of faith regularly with discipline, then they, they become not only easier, but we change internally. And then our actions aren't simply the functions of having decided to do something each time, but our actions simply flow from who we are. So we encounter Christians sometimes who practice sometimes, other times don't. Or even Christians who are trying to be observant, but it's clearly requiring a great deal of effort for every good decision they make. If they imagine that that's how it's going to be for the rest of their lives, they could easily grow weary. But the message is that, no, Christ isn't simply asking or expecting some unique great effort relentlessly. He wants you to open your heart so we can continue to change you, not just with the indelible mark of baptism, but with the continuous infusion of his grace to change you so that being Christian eventually is just simply who you are and who we will be forever. Per omnia secula seculorum. Amen. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit.